Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Yeah! Welcome to Kyle Brandt's Basement. Tuesday, great day. Josh Allen Tuesday. Josh is coming in shortly. We will talk about the blowout win over the Steelers. We will talk about the massive game against the Chiefs. They have notably played in the past. I think you probably remember. They're going to Arrowhead this weekend. We're going to talk to Josh about what do you think about this rough in the pasture deal everybody's talking about. Let's talk about Mahomes. Let's talk about the playoff loss last year. Why are the Chiefs so hard to beat when you get up on them? Is Arrowhead the loudest stadium you've ever played in? I'm going to ask him all the stuff. He's totally game. He's great. And we will have his review of the film The Fugitive, starring Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. And we will sign him a new movie that you guys voted on coming up. Uh, we're going to talk Dak Prescott. We're going to talk Devontae Adams getting in trouble for pushing a guy on the sideline and looking really bad. And we're going to talk all the stuff we usually do. It's what we do. And we also just bang free throws like we're made to do it. Sky Cam, if you please. I got a good feeling about this one. And yeah, glass, I'll take it. I can only make the glass at this point. I'm so in my head about the free throws. But one thing I do nice and natural, my friends, is what I love, what I hate, and what's hilarious. I love when the Kansas City Chiefs flip the switch. Nobody does it like them. They just, they, they've got the patent, the TM, the trademark after that flip of the switch that they do so beautifully. Monday Night Football last night, the Raiders are rolling them. They're all over them. They're in Arrowhead. They're taking control of that place. The sweet touchdown to Devontae to start it. Another touchdown. And here's when I knew the Raiders were going to lose that game because I pay so much attention to the Chiefs over the last five years. When the Raiders are going to lose that game is they have the ball up 14-0 and they got a fourth and short and they think about maybe going for it and keep your foot on the pedal and they decide to kick and they make the kick. And the second they made that kick 17-0, I said, they're screwed. They are royally bleeped. There's no way they're winning this game. I've seen this too many times for the Chiefs. What is so magical about the Mahomes era and the Kelsey and the Reed is that one of the worst things you can do in trying to beat the Chiefs is get a lead on them. Don't do it. Don't do it. It just wakes them up. It makes them mad. It, it, it enrages Mahomes. It gets the crowd going. I have seen this time and again. When they are down, they something happens, and they flip the switch. There's a lot of different ways to do this, all right? We know that, that remember the playoff game a few years back against Deshaun Watson? I think they were down 24 to nothing, and I think they won by six touchdowns. Last night, 17 to nothing. There's an old thing. You older people will remember City Slickers. Not City Slickers. Um... Blazing Saddles, much different movie. Blazing Saddles, and Mongo is outside, and Mongo is actually played by the late NFL Hall of Famer Alex Karras, and he's just this monster who's causing trouble in the town, and he's the strongest person in the world, and you don't want to touch him, and he punches a horse, and it's crazy. And, you know, the sheriff goes to, when he's going to go deal with Mongo, and he goes to put his gun belt on, because, you know, he might have to shoot Mongo, and Gene Wilder says, oh, no, 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 don't shoot him. That'll only piss him off. Don't get a lead up on the Chiefs early. That will only piss them off. Believe me, we've seen this before. Title game a few years ago, the Bills. They got an early lead. I think they went up two scores on them early. Went away fast. We've seen it so many times. Raiders learned it last night. The way you beat the Chiefs is you just have to respect them. Don't piss them off. Don't get their attention. Don't go up. I don't care if it's 20 to nothing. Don't do it. They'll beat you. They'll beat you. The way the Bengals beat them last year in the playoffs was the opposite, actually. They came from behind. 
They were down, and the Chiefs, I don't know if they got cocky or complacent or started making their Super Bowl plans. Bengals came back and beat them in the second half. It's just not a team you can get ahead of very much. Buffalo did kind of pull it off in the regular season last year. But one of the things we'll ask Josh Allen is, why are they so hard to put away? There is a thing where they play certain teams, the Chiefs, that I, I would give them, if they're down 30 to nothing at halftime, I'll even go 40. I still don't think they're out of it. In fact, I still think they'll probably win it. There's something that happens with Mahomes and Reed and Kelsey, and never mind Tyreek, he's gone. Last night they did it without him, especially last night when the crowd became a huge factor. You don't see a crowd become a bigger factor in a game in 2022 than the Chiefs crowd was last night. They affected, and I'm talking about after the terrible roughing the passer, which we'll get into. They affected the officials the rest of the night. I think they affected the Raiders the rest of the night. The Raiders were game. They fought and everything. They still lost. There's just nothing like it. So a lot of Bills fans listening. The Bills may be the only team who could get up on them. And oh my God, it's 17 to three. And the Bills have just got it from here. But it's, they just feel like one of these NBA teams. You know how they say in the NBA, teams always make a run. You know, back, back in the day when it would be Pistons, Bulls, or if it's Pistons, Cavs in the LeBron era, and the Cavs are up 19 in the third quarter. There's always a run. They're always going to get it down to seven or six or call the timeout. The Chiefs make a run. There's no lead that's safe. It's really, really exciting to watch unless you're rooting against the Chiefs. Last night was just a nightmare for Raiders fans for 50 different reasons. One, you went out and you you went out and spent all this money and did all these things and hired this new coach specifically, and I would even say exclusively, to beat the Chiefs. You brought in Devontae Adams, you brought in Chandler Jones, you hired Josh McDaniels to win that game. That ex- none of never mind the other games. Don't tell me about the Broncos and the Chargers or anybody else. To beat the Chiefs in prime time in Arrowhead, and you're up 17-0, and you still couldn't do it. And it was like Mahomes and Reed said, hey, cool new players. Bink! And flicked them right off their field. Now get the hell out of our town. Try again next year. What a gut punch. And then on top of that, Devontae Adams looks brilliant. He's still clearly just coasting in his prime. Amazing night. And he does something that will never be forgotten about him. It'll always be part of his wiki. He's walking off to feel furious, and some this equipment guy who's doing his job down there is just wrong place at wrong time, and Devontae goes full two-handed shove, guy goes down on his back, Devontae looks at him for maybe half a second and just keeps walking. Terrible sight. And it wasn't on some amateur camera, and it comes out later, and somebody puts it on Twitter and then gets 30,000 retweets and then says, hey, check out my SoundCloud. No, this was on the broadcast. It was on ESPN. It was on ESPN in a national game Monday night. It was everybody saw it. So Devontae gets in there, immediately gets his phone and tweets, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Says immediately right after the press conference, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Dude, it, it's it's that's elevated. That's that's gone. This guy's this guy has hired a lawyer, he is lawyering up, he's going criminal with this. You can come to find out apparently he had to be attended to, he went to the hospital. It's awful. It's awful. And I, it, it's I'm almost kind of crestfallen up because I'm a fan of Devontae Adams as a man and as an athlete. He always seems like a great dude, great family, great with the media. And he did a terrible thing, a terrible, stupid Bush League thing. There have been thousands of players who have been pissed off walking off the field after a loss. And this guy just kind of got in the way of him and he just blasted him. Let's think of the context of this. Devontae uh, plays a great game. He is uh, now 1-4. and four. He, Embarrassing. Now they're going into the bye. So... You're going to have the worst bye week ever, and you're going to just have to answer about being a loser for two weeks. Think of the last couple plays of the game. 
All they need is a field goal for that game. They're going to win, and they're going to win an arrowhead. One play, and looks like he makes an amazing catch that they take away from him. And then the last play of the game, a fourth and short, when, again, all they need is about maybe 20 yards to get a field goal, he and Hunter Renfro just run into each other and fall down. They look like imbeciles. And the ball drops, and that's it. So he walks off after that. And then it's, you try to empathize in any way. You try to empathize about the worst day ever you've had at your workplace where you're doing everything wrong and you're getting yelled at and you blew the big presentation, whatever it is, and you walk out and as you're leaving the door to leave the office to have a cigarette or bash your head through a windshield or anything, some person just steps in front of you. And maybe it's someone with a, a custodian's cart or maybe it's when you're like, ah, get out of here, get out of my face. But you don't make the money that Devante makes. You don't have the responsibility. You don't have the experience. It's an awful look. I don't know where this is going. I don't. I know this. Like Tom Pellicer reported this morning that he will. He's likely going to be disciplined. What does that mean? Will he be suspended? I actually think he's not going to be suspended. I don't know. I work for the NFL, but I don't know. I think he has a sterling record, and I think that plays in part of it. I think he'll be fine. Huge amount. The precedent. I was. Remember, do you remember back in the '90s? This is during the Rodman era Bulls. I was all about them. I watched all their games. I was living in Chicago. Rodman was diving for a loose ball. And you can YouTube this. It's, it's ridiculous. He's diving for a loose ball, which he doesn't get, and he kind of messes it up or drops it, and it turns out being the other team's ball. And just out of pure frustration, he's sitting there on the ground, and he just, like, kicks out with his leg, and he kicks this cameraman who's just sitting there, kind of in, like, the thigh, maybe you could say inner thigh, even almost groin-adjacent, and the camera goes, ah, oh, like, what are you doing? And then he takes a second, and he's just like, ah. And his eyes roll back, and he, like, faints. And it, it really appeared in that moment that the camera said, oh, my God, I just got kicked by Dennis Robin. He makes a lot of money. Well, that cameraman got $200,000. $200,000 in mid to late 90s money from Dennis Rodman. This is not going away. This is the story of the bye week. It's a shame. Stupid thing that he did on camera. Poor guy sitting there doing his job. You just blast him. And then Devante says afterwards, he's like, I believe he, uh, he fell down. You saw him fall down. You're standing right there. What do you mean you believe he fell down? Tough look. Tough look for a great player and a great guy. And that's your 2022 Raiders. You blow the Chiefs game and you go into your bye with your brand new wide receiver blasting some guy into the ground. It's, aw- it's terrible. It's, it's really terrible. But I love the Chiefs flipping that switch. It's about the Chiefs. Never mind the Raiders. Chiefs welcoming the Bills this week. We'll talk about it a lot shortly, but first, let's talk about what I hate. This is no surprise. I hate what you hate. I hate what everyone hates. I hate roughing the passer penalties. No, I don't love it. I hate it. Uh, Trust me. I hate it. You hate it. Isn't it amazing and also kind of like darkly hilarious that we have this earth-shattering moment with roughing the passer in which Grady Jarrett of the Falcons rips down Tom Brady and just does the sack that we've seen a thousand times over our lives and it gets penalized and you're like oh man this could change everything and then the football gods of the sixth sense of humor 24 hours later that was not that was the worst call of the year for one day 20 hours later we have something that's even more ridiculous in a way in which we got a guy who gets the ball there's an incredible display of athleticism. Tackles Carr, gets the ball, secures the ball, all in a quarter of a second, and on his way down, actually does put his hand down to brace himself. 
Like, that was amazing. The guy practically did a pole vault trying to get the ball and not get a penalty. And you know what his reward was for that bleep and effort? Certainly don't get the ball. There's no turnover. Goes back to the Raiders. And, and you get a personal foul for roughing the passer. It's asinine. It's idiotic. It's pathetic. It's embarrassing. It's terrible. You know how you know it's terrible? Because even guys who have no... No skin in the game are saying it's terrible. Even guys who do have skin in the game the opposite way. You got guys on offense saying we got to do something about this. You got quarterbacks saying this is not football. Watch. We're going to ask Josh Allen. I have, I have no idea what he's going to say. If we ask him about roughing the passer, should we do something? Even as a guy who is at times benefited from roughing the passer calls that are dicey, I bet he says we got to do something. I'm just guessing. I bet he says it. Because you know what? He's seen his guys get him hitting the other quarterback, too. And Josh Allen loves football. All the guys are coming in. Do we have tweets? Run the tweets. Why the hell not? Let's just air the grievances. These are notable people. Micah Parsons, a pass rusher. They want us to play like we play in the Pro Bowl. I like he's already referencing Pro Bowl plays, but in the league one year. Tony Dungy. You know, a more measured, a football man, like for life. Tony Dungy, this is not football anymore. I know we have to protect the quarterback, but Chris Jones was recovering a fumble. We have gotten ridiculous with this. Sean Payton, an offensive coach. You would think he'd want the penalties. Awful call. NFL officiating needs a lot of work on roughing the passer. And then the rest of them we don't even need. LP weighed in, and I mean the Lawrence Taylor one, Cordero Patterson, all that. Um, it's really bad. It's, 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 it's not fun. It's not amusing in any way. Even if you're the team, like, for example, if you're the Raiders last night, if you're the Raiders fans, you, you want the bottom line of, okay, we didn't give up the fumble, but it's like, that sucks. There's, there's no satisfaction in it at all. And people say, listen, my personal opinion on this is I am usually loath to criticize the rules protecting quarterbacks because I hate backup quarterbacks. I don't want to see them. I don't want to spend my free time watching them on Sundays or Mondays. And you don't want to sit down on Thanksgiving Day and watch some seventh-string Detroit Lion or Dallas Cowboy, whoever, pull up off the practice squad because they're all injured. I don't want to see Scott Tolzien on Thanksgiving. I don't want to see David Blau. And we've seen both of them start games on major days just because everyone's hurt and because they got rolled up or they got hit late. So I actually do like a lot of the things protecting them. And it's tedious and it's superficial, and it is a, the spit in the face of how football used to be played. But I like watching the quarterbacks. I want them out there. Can you imagine if some of the stars we got in the league got right now got hurt? It hurts. It hurts the product. So what do you do? And it seems to be, well, don't throw instant replay at everything. No, throw instant replay at it. Just do it. It's very simple. And everyone wants to say, well, they tried it for pass interference, and it was a disaster, and they canceled it over one year. Different deal. This is player safety. This is quarterbacks. This is, are you telling me that if they looked at those plays last night, especially the Chris Jones one, someone neutral, not the official who called it and said, no, hold on. The ball comes out. He tries to brace the fault. You can change that. It's not as hard to do. And the alternative to not adding replay is just nothing. Because I, guys, they're not taking the rules away. You cannot put that toothpaste back in the tube. You cannot say, actually, screw it. Put your weight on the quarterback. You don't have to do that. You can hit him in the head if you have to. Whatever. You can hit him low. That's not happening. We are past the point of no return on that. You cannot peel back the rules. The only way to do it is to make sure we're doing them right, which is either replay. 
And people say, well, it slows the game down. Screw you. Who cares? What would you rather do? You're sitting there with your big fat butt like me sitting there in front of the TV eating. Are you really in that hurry for the game to be over? They can do it quickly now. They get out the surfaces. They go to New York. It goes pretty quickly. Would you rather have the game last another 60 to 90 seconds or the game completely tarnished by a stupid, terrible call? Review it. And if you don't want to review it, add an official to the crew. Add an official to the crew whose only job specifically is just to sit there every single play and watch the quarterback. Get down, get in there, hunker down, give him a bleeping Sherlock Holmes magnifying glass. I don't care what. Just he watches the quarterback the whole time. He doesn't look for holding. He doesn't look downfield. He's not talking to coaches. He doesn't have one of those PA things. That is the quarterback official. He sits there as close as he wants. Those steady cam guys will get right up to him after the play. Stand there at a comfortable distance to let him throw, and you just watch everything that happens with him. Because otherwise, it happens too fast, and these guys were, frankly, a little bit older. Ah, I saw the quarterback get killed throw it. I didn't see his hand come down at the last second. I just didn't see it. Have someone who sees it or have someone review it. I don't even see any other way because they're not taking those rules away. And I hate it, but I think it's what we got to do. Let's get to what's hilarious. Guess what? It's about Jerry Jones. So I had high expectations for this week in the media for the Dallas Cowboys. It's Eagles week. The Cowboys are 4-1. and one. They're playing the Eagles are 5-0. and oh. It doesn't get much better than that. Unless, of course, you had a Dallas Cowboys, let's call it a quarterback controversy adjacent, which is where we're at. And I have to say here on Tuesday afternoon, I'm very pleased with how the Cowboys media week is going because um, I am a big fan of Cooper Rush and his style of solidly unspectacular but efficient winning football. And I do not think they should mess with it. And if they happen to beat the Cowboys, I do not think they should put Dak Prescott in. There'll come a time for that. It is not now. So... I happen to think I have some allies in that sense within the Cowboys organization who are saying, we love Dak. It's not anti-Dak. Don't get us wrong. It's not anti-Dak. It's pro-momentum. Let's just ride this sucker. Dak will have his day. He'll have his year. He'll have his decade. Let's ride this thing. I think there are allies of mine in that organization. Because if you remember last week, there's an elasticity with the Dak injury with which to play with. His status is malleable such that if you wanted to have him out another week or two, there are certain diagnoses and certain words you could float to the public and probably float to Dak that will say, you know, let's give it another week. Now, here's the way we started. We started with saying things like, this couple weeks back when Dak was, you know, on the road to recovery to replace Cooper Rush, we started by saying, well, uh, we, uh, 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 we, we are uh, wanting to do what's uh, best for Dak. And we are uh, uh, thinking in the long term. So that's just BS. Just nonsense sound bites to put them out there. All right. That was a couple weeks ago. Cooper Rush wins. Guy can't lose. Doesn't throw interceptions. And last week, it was uh, Dak uh, needs to uh, uh, grip the ball. And if he can't grip the ball, uh, we will have to go uh, with Cooper Rush. So last week was grip the ball week. It was all this sort of abstract talk about he can grip it, but maybe not well enough. I am so in the weeds on this. I hope you're with me. I I will split hairs on this. I love this because I love people BSing because I just love it. It's nonsense sound bites, and that's when Jerry's the ultimate politician. So last week, grip the ball week. Cooper Rush wins again, my friends. Beats the defending Super Bowl champs. 
and now he's winning again. And I'm very pleased to announce, very pleased to announce here in Kyle Brandt's basement that as we approach Cowboys versus Eagles, we are now embarking upon spin the ball week with the Dallas Cowboys, and I love it already. Let's go to the man on 105.3, the fan. He's got to spin the ball. He's got to really spin the ball. And uh, you uh, just think about it. Put your hand down on something like would be the equivalent of a football. Try to do that without thumb strength. Try to spin that ball. Try to direct that ball without thumb strength if you're really giving a proper throw. You can't do it. Uh, but if you do have strength uh, and can grip the ball, then you can spin the ball. Unlike most injuries, that you have to have a feel, uh, you have to develop uh, uh, ability to see if the quickness is there, what's the degree of quickness back if you were, didn't have an injury, all of that. This thing's pretty simple to detect. Uh, can he zip the ball out there and uh, 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 make the throw? Uh, we'll start working on that uh, Wednesday real hard. Uh, he's certainly doing the kinds of things medically that you want to do. That is uh, the indications, the x-rays, all of that, having tremendous improvement. But can he spin the ball? Uh, we know Dak Prescott can play, and we know he'll be ready to play the minute he gets a chance to go in the game. Can he spin the ball? So good. It's just such BS. He's just talking. Just talking. It was like he... he he was walking into that interview, and he said, uh, what, what is some uh, bull crap I can say this week? I need a phrase. What can I say? And someone said, say something where he can't spin the ball. I love it. Beautiful. Spin the ball. I like that. And then he just said, spin the ball 57 times. I I've listened to Jerry Jones talk for, I don't know, my whole life, pretty much. You probably have, too. Have you ever heard him say the phrase, spin the ball? <laughs> You've dealt with a lot of injuries. We're going back to Troy and Tony and Quincy Carter and you name it. I don't think I've heard him say everything you could possibly say about the Cowboys. I've never heard him say spin the ball. He just said it 17 times in less than a minute. Spin the ball, spin the ball. And again, that's just a nonsense phrase. It doesn't... Is he healthy? Well, uh, is he healthy? Uh, well, spin the ball, spin the ball, and spin the ball. It just it, Next week, I, I'm telling you, if he beats the Eagles, Cooper Rush, we should get ahead of this. We should predict what Jerry's phrase is going to be next week. It's going to be like, well, uh, it, we need Dak to be his best self. And if he's his best self, then we as the Cowboys can be our team. But Dak needs to be his best self. It's going to be something so stupid. Or it's going to be like... Um, Something technical, like, um, uh, you know, he, his, his release point uh, just needs to get a little higher, or his, uh, his finger dexterity. It'll be some stupid in the weeds, rip off a daily calendar uh, from the far side, Gary Larson, except without cartoons, and it says just a phrase to use for Dak Prescott. Spin the ball week is going great. He's not going to play. He's not going to play against the Eagles. It's going to be Cooper Rush. Should that... That, that beautiful SOB, Cooper Rush, beat the 5-0 Eagles to make the Cowboys 5-1 and in first place in the division, we're getting some great whoppers from Jerry next week. I don't know what it's going to be called, but you heard it here first. We will identify the phrase for you. If you hear him say it, tweet at KB Basement. Enjoy Spin the Ball Week and look forward to whatever the hell next week is going to be because this is one of the best rides we're on all season in the NFL. Unless, of course, 
we're talking about the Buffalo Bills, who are electric and who just destroyed the Pittsburgh Steelers, the venerable Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, let's get into it. It's Tuesday. He comes in here each and every single week. We even got a little painting of him. We got coffee. We got movies that he watches. Guys, it is the potential, the likely MVP this year, quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. It's Josh time. Get in here, Josh Allen. Let's do it. And there he is. He's the mover of chains. The force is strong with him. He's the quarterback one for the Buffalo Bills. It's Josh Allen. What's up, dude? Just hanging out. Thanks for having me back, having me back on. Uh, we wouldn't miss it. We look forward to it every week. We look forward to seeing your movie posters and Tommy Shelby and the Joker and Iron Man and all your friends behind you. Have you added to your friends? I did. I uh, got Catch Me If You Can. You can't really see it over there. I just put the town. Um, I think I had Anakin and Darth Vader. Uh, the, the lightsabers oh, yes. up last time. So I've got, I've got some room on this side, on this wall that I'm going to start, keep going or start going. Um, but it's a cool little collection. I started with these, I saw it on Instagram. I got Instagram added and uh, yeah. I, I ordered a bunch of them and I freaking love them. So that's just pretty cool. They look great. We all, we all click on the Instagram thing sometimes. They know what we like and they play on us and that's fine. Josh, we have to look back before we look forward. Bills 38, Steelers 3. Dude, it looked so fun. You looked like you were having so much fun with your boys out there. How much fun were you having on Sunday? It was a lot of fun. It was uh, one of the most interesting games of my career. I think football career, not even just NFL career. Um, like early on, obviously hitting a couple huge deep balls uh, to Gabe Davis. Um, and, you know, the the yardage compared to the completions, like if you look at it statistically was – it was funky. Um, one of those games where they don't happen too often. Uh, so you have to appreciate and enjoy them when they do. But again, we got Khalil Shakir, one of our rookies, getting his first touchdown. James Cook getting his first touchdown. On the other side of the ball, Khalil uh, Kyer Lamb getting his first interception mm-hmm. of his career. So it was a pretty cool, pretty cool experience to have, you know, that that happen for those young guys and to be able to be a part of that uh, team that, you know, that was there for that. So it was really cool. Um, just another way to find finding another way to get a dub, and you know we got a we got a big one this week too, and we know that. You do, and you took care of business at home before that one. You mentioned the big one you hit to Gabe, ninety eight yards, dude. We've done the research here at Kyle Brandt's basement. It's your longest uh, touchdown as a pro, longer than any you had at Wyoming. Have you ever gone ninety eight or ninety nine like as a fireball high eagle or pop Warner or anything? Never, never, no. I think my longest in high school was actually my first start. Um, for varsity, it was a touchback, so we get the ball on the twenty-yard line. Our first play yeah. from from scrimmage that year went uh, went eighty yards to Christian Patlin. So that was, I think, the previous long. Um, and again, those don't come around too often, so you got to enjoy those. Gabe Davis playing the role of Christian Patlin in this one. Take us through the play, Josh, yep. from huddle to celebration, like just everything that happened, everything you saw, because it was electric. Yeah, I mean, again, first down, we get the ball at our two-yard line. Uh, we right. come out, we try to throw a little quick pass. Uh, we were, you know, trying to look at, for Gabe early on. Um, didn't see it there. Tried to get to motor. They, they bat it mm-hmm. down. We go a run play and it's now third and 10 on your, your own two yard line. Like not too often will the offensive coordinator call a shot play and have that faith in one in, in our scheme to, to go out there and do that. But in two, uh, the faith in me to go out there and make the right decision 
you know, not put the ball in jeopardy. And, um, you know, when he called it, I just kind of got a little giddy. And, you know, they doubled Steph and they tried to double Gabe, but I think they were playing the sticks a little bit, it being third and 10 on your own too. Again, not too many people will call a shot play there. And Gabe read it perfectly. I just gave him a chance to, to make a play. And um, it was really cool, really cool experience. I'm on the ground celebrating and Gabe Davis at the 50-yard line. Like, it was, <laughs> it was awesome. It sounds like, if I'm reading it right, you give a lot of credit to Dorsey for it. Yeah, I mean, again, Dorsey, he, he's, he's doing a heck of a job right now. He's doing a heck of a job. And, um, you know, first-year experience as an offensive coordinator. But he's, he's played in a lot of big-time games in his career. So yeah. to have that experience, to know what it feels like to be back there when bullets are flying, not to expect too much out of his guys, but to, to yeah. um, try to try to push them to greatness. And, again, we talked about the passion a couple of weeks ago. Um, he, he continues to have that passion, you know, in our team meetings and our – our unit meetings on the practice field. Like, again, he's, he works so hard at his craft. Um, he wants to go out there and call a perfect game and, and give us opportunities to make plays. Plus there's a certain um, South Park meme involving Randy Marsh and a wheelbarrow that I think would apply <laughs> to Ken Dorsey too. And I know you know it well, cause it's usually applied to you, but Josh, you mentioned Khalil Shakir. If anybody doesn't know, this is a rookie wide receiver from Boise state scored his first career touchdown and he told a story afterwards that you went and got the ball and handed it to him to make sure he could have that. Now, I don't think that's insignificant. And you look at that and you look at Vaughn's T-shirts and the Backstreet Boys IG videos, everything you guys have going on, there seems to be really something special about this locker room. Like, how does this locker room feel different this year? We've got a lot of love for each other. And I, I try to preach that to, to everybody that walks into our room, like, You've got a place here, like you're meant to be here. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, on that play, I obviously I throw it to Cleo. We're like on our 25 or 30. I don't know where we're at. Um, but I'm like hugging the offensive lineman and I'm going down to, to see Khalil. And I see him toss the ball to the ref. And I like, I make a beeline towards the ref. And like, I know like that's his first touchdown. This is like basically his first, first yeah. real game time experience, you know? Um, so I go and grab it to him. And I just, I kind of stick it in his, you know, his chest area. And I go, what are you doing, dude? Like, come on. Like have some awareness, stupid rookie. Um, so it's just it, it was fun, and I I did the same thing for James Cook, but James Cook had the wherewithal to keep the ball for himself. Yeah. I was making sure I was kind of following the ball, um, you know, ready to do that if need be. But um, you know, he he was a little more present in the moment. I think Khalil was just kind of just lost in the moment and had a good time um, celebrating with his teammates. I think he was so just shocked at what just happened he didn't know what to do you know he didn't know what to do with his hands what about uh five years ago when the stupid rookie was number 17 and you had your first touchdown did you get the ball what happened yeah i did i did i threw a in cut to kelvin benjamin um uh-huh. and went and grabbed and i think charles De- uh charles clay grabbed yeah. it from him and, and gave it to me if if i recall so i think i saw something um like a highlight of that a, a couple of years ago. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I've got it. It's, it's somewhere. I mean, I don't really hang, hang footballs so, or any of my memorabilia. So um, it's somewhere in the basement and storage or something. Yeah. Charles Clay, we love you, but we got a Peaky Blinders poster that just has to take priority in the shop. That's just, that's what we do. We're modest about our football accomplishments. We get it. Um, Josh, you and I have talked about before when the season started and you guys were playing not on Sundays you watch Red Zone, you watch ball, you're totally into it. Did you watch Monday Night Football last night, Chiefs Raiders? What'd you think? 
Oh yeah, I did. I did. Um, obviously Kansas city came out, they played well, um, you know, started, started off a little slow, a little shaky. The end of the game, I was actually at a, one of my buddy, Eric Wood, uh, who was sure. a center here the year before I was. He had yeah, a flight no, and bite steal charity event for the uh, Oshawa Children's Hospital. So I went there, kind of showed some face. Um, so we were watching the game there. Um, but, yeah, like that fourth quarter, it was, it was very exciting. Uh, but, yeah, 4-1, uh, and 4-1, one, and one, Kansas City, Buffalo in Kansas City. I think everybody in the world is excited for that matchup. For us, we're – we're excited because it's our next game. It's our biggest one. Um, I know everybody's going to be trying to boost this one up, probably yourself included, but it's uh, it's just another game on our schedule. It really is, and I'm sure that they feel the same way. Uh, one, how dare you? I would never do that. It's just, it's just another game on the schedule. I'm not going to talk about uh, overtime or 13 seconds or coin tosses or any of that stuff that's going to come up. But you and I had an agreement early on that, like, that was in the past. We're not going to talk about 13 seconds, and that's fine. This is your first trip back. It's the scene of your last playoff loss. Everyone is a huge deal, never mind for you. For the media, for the fans, this is a big deal. And it is your first trip back. How does it feel? Does it feel in any way different? No, it really doesn't. And I think people get so caught up in, in what happened last year. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's just the nature of the business. Like what happened last year? We beat, we beat these guys last year. They beat us last year. It doesn't matter who yeah. we play. But the, the, the reality is it's, it's every Sunday, every Monday, every Thursday is a different situation. Anybody can beat anybody in this league. It's hard to win in this league. Um, and nothing that happened last year carries over into this year. So um, we're, we're just looking forward to having a good week of practice and trying to put our best foot forward come Sunday, 4 o'clock. On the football field, you know, the Chiefs were down 17 nothing last night. They came all the way back. That's become one of the hallmarks of this era. And you guys have played games on them where you've been up on them and you put them away and you've been up on them and you haven't been able to put them away. Why is this Chiefs team so hard to put down once you're up on them? I think everybody knows that answer. Uh, it starts with their quarterback. Um, Pat's a, he's a fantastic player. He's a fantastic person. I think if you look at his accomplishments so far in his career, um, they, they dang near top anybody that's ever played the game of football. So mm-hmm. uh, whenever you have a guy that's got the ability of, of him. He's got the playmakers around him um, and, and the belief that they have in their locker room. Um, typically you're going to have success when you have guys that again, care for each other and just want to win football games. And I think that's a, uh, it's two constants I th- that our team and their team have in common. Um, it's just guys that are willing to do what it takes to win football games. And um, again, I think Travis Kelsey's playing some pretty good ball right now too, having four, he had an efficient game last night. I know he only had 25 yards receiving, but he had four touchdowns right. to go along with that. So um, that that's tough to do in itself. Um, but I'm a, I'm a big uh, Travis fan. We've gotten to kind of know each other over the last couple of years, whether it's at the, the golf tournament or Super yeah. Bowl party here or there. So um, big fan of those two, uh, Pat and Travis. We got to play this last year in uh, Tahoe, yeah. and I think they both kicked my butt when we played, but we had a good time. Well, maybe you get them back. Maybe you get them back in the off season. You know, it's you. You grew up watching so much football, and you always talk about. It, and I did too. And when you grew up, it was Peyton and Brady. When I grew up, it was Young and Aikman. For kids now, it's becoming Allen and Mahomes. Like these are the ones that they want to see play each other. You're part of that. Now. I I have an eight year old son. He's looking forward to Allen versus Mahomes. What's it like to be part of that for you? Uh, I mean. 
I'm not gonna lie. I it, that kind of dawned upon me today. Um, mm-hmm. And it is it's such a it's such a weird feeling, and I don't really take steps back and look at it from that lens too often. Um, but to know, like as a kid, like I remember watching, you know, Peyton and and, and Tom, and then Tom and Aaron, um, and to know that like people regard me in that type of situation is it's, it's surreal. Um, but again, it's everything that I've wanted in my life is to play football for a living. And, um, I'm just trying to do everything I can in my power to continue to play as long as I can. So, um, it's, it, you can get as deep as you want, but we're just out here playing football, having a good time and, um, just trying to live my dream. What was it that went down today that made it dawn upon you that this is really becoming a thing that you're part of? I saw a promo for the game on Twitter. It just popped up on my feed. Someone retweeted it. Um, yeah. And I was just like, I, I like, it's just, it's, it's weird. It really is. Um, but I don't, I thought about it for a couple of seconds. I was like, ah, I just kind of brush it past and, uh, you know, got to focus on trying to, trying to win a football game. No, that's why you're so identifiable, man, because you're the, the, the farmer's son from Fireball. But when you go to work, it's you and Mahomes. It's, it's like Captain America and Iron Man. Like, it is a real, real thing that's happening, and I love it. You are going to Arrowhead. I mentioned this. Back to last night's game, and we'll move on. Arrowhead got pissed off last night, like really mad about an officiating call. And Kelsey said afterwards, Arrowhead carried us. You're in your fifth year. You've been all around the league. Is Arrowhead outside of your own stadium? Is it the loudest place you play? Yes, and I, I actually alluded to this last night. Someone asked me where my favorite place to play is, and I think it's got to be up there. Um, yeah. The energy inside that that building is awesome, and it's it, it can go to one of two ways, right? It could be the loudest stadium that you'll ever be in, or it could mm-hmm. be the quietest stadium you'll ever be in. So, like, it's it's just this cool mix and match of, you know, if you do your job and, and you can go out there and win a football game, um, the satisfaction that you get from, you know, feeling that emotion and that energy from, you know, a very passionate fan base. And I think, you know, they're, they're one of the better fan bases in the NFL. I still think Bill's Mafia takes the cake there. Um, but it is such a cool environment to be in because, again, it's, it's just it's pure football. People, people love football there. Um, and it's, you know, it's football in its purest form. The loudest and the quietest. It's poetic. It really is true. And you can tell even as a fan watching at home. Um, one other thing about you and Mahomes, uh, Iron Man, Captain America, that's how you kind of looked at. In his game, you guys are both so unique as athletes. What is something that you wish you could take from his skill set as a football player? Um, I think arm angles is something that he does exceptionally well. I think, again, just dropping his elbow, arm slot getting the ball off from weird angles last night he threw I mean it was damn near underhanded uh I think to Travis right over the middle with the guy right in his like it's it's stupid some of the things that he could do with the football in his hand um you talk about his playmaking ability outside of the pocket you know spin spin moves and all these weird uh crazy side arm angle throws so um you know he, he plays the the game as good as anybody that's ever played it so I've got so much respect and admiration for him and his game um and again I you know we've talked about each other off the field as well so sure um, there's just so much so much respect that I have for him what about something from your skill set that you would give to him I don't think he, I don't need, I don't think he needs anything else I think he's fine <laughs> I don't think he uh I don't think he needs to take anything from me he's all set um 
But believe me, yeah. dude, if he could run like you and if he was as big as you, you guys would have problems. Thankfully, <laughs> thankfully he can't. That's like, that is your hammer, all right? I, I, Captain America does not get the hammer. Um, but it's the game. It's Sunday afternoon. Everyone's so excited about it. Um, last question, and we'll get to the movie review. You've seen this, Josh. You consume so much ball. Everybody is freaking out about roughing the passer. There has been two straight games and back-to-back days with massive roughing the passer calls that have really changed the course of the game. Has protecting quarterbacks gone too far, and should something be done about it? You know, as a quarterback, I'm going to have a little bias in this sure. in this uh, field here. But as a football player, as a fan of the game, I definitely think there is there need there needs to be something that's done because there are there have been a couple this year that are just um, they don't fit the criteria for pass you know or roughing the passer, whether it's a a review. Um, you know, a more concrete detail of the rule um, just to let everybody know, like, because it's so arbitrary sometimes when it's called. And again, like as quarterbacks, we don't, we don't call them, but there's been a lot that have probably not been called this year too. So Mm -hmm. there's, there's just this balance that you have to take the bad with the good sometimes. And um, you know, when, when you're on the opposing team and the roughing passer gets called on you, like, it is, it is detrimental sometimes. Like it can cost you a football game. And again, when you're on the winning side of that, that call, you're like, heck yeah. Like finally we get a call. Um, mm-hmm. So there's the, again, I, I just play quarterback. I don't have the answers to this. I didn't have the answers to the overtime rules and um, <laughs> whatever needs to be done will be done. I think uh, in the future. So um, that's all I really have to say about it. But again, like it, it, it the reaction, I think, from people, um, you know, especially social media is going to is probably going to drive to change something. Um, mm-hmm. But again, we've been dealing with a lot of different things in the in this league for a long time, whether it's pass interference, right, roughing the passer, unsportsmanlike conduct. Yep. Um, all these calls are so, so up in the air sometimes. And it just kind of depends on, on the guys calling the game and I guess their mood on that day, but um, you know, they, they try to do their job to the best of their abilities. This man loves ball. If there's anything Josh loves as much as football, even close it's movies. Let's get into it. The latest installment of the 2022 Josh Allen film festival. Let's bring it up. We have been assigning Josh movies to watch from before he was born and we've done heat national lampoons, vacation, Shawshank groundhog day. Josh is significantly younger than me. So these are movies I was watching in high school and junior high that he's never seen before. Uh, but before we get into this year, this week's movie, rather, we gave him 1993's uh, The Fugitive, which sounds a little bit like this. I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. <laughs> it's the best, Josh. You'd never seen The Fugitive before. You watched it. Please tell us your thoughts. We can't wait. Again, I, I, I put up um a poster you can't see it over here catch me if if you can i know we kind of talked about it for a second again like i thought it reminded me so much of that movie it's such a like a a chase you know chase movie it's a guy that's been convicted of killing his wife um Mm -hmm. and he's one he escapes you know from the 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 railroad and the the bus um and not only does he have to escape and continue to evade the law he's got to solve this crime in order to kind of clear his name so he doesn't go you know, he doesn't go, he was going to get lethal injected, right? He was going to yeah. put on the chair, oh, yeah. basically. Um, so in order to save his life, he's got to, again, evade the law, find the killer, 
Um, and this whole time you got Tommy Lee James or Tommy Lee Jones chasing you. And I felt myself throughout the movie kind of rooting for him too, because he's just trying to do his job. Yeah. And um, it was the line that um, Gimble said, was it Richard Kimball, right? That's yeah. the, the, the name of him. He said, be good. Yeah. And that was kind of that resonated throughout the film. And um, again, Tommy Lee Jones is just, he's trying to do good. He's just trying to do his job. And when he says, I don't care, like it's not my, my job yeah. to, you know, convict whether you killed her or not. My job is to try to bring you back in because, you know, you escaped. Um, so I'd give it a solid B. I really, I, there wasn't, okay. there wasn't too much dialogue. Um, you know, it was kind of a quiet movie, but again, the chase, the chase scenes, it was kind of fast and furious, like, or some of the, the escapes were a little out of this world, but, um, yep. again, I think that's what kind of makes it this movie, but Harrison Ford is, he's awesome. Big fan of his. It's why we do this. Harrison Ford, an icon. And at the end, he gets in the squad car with, with Gerard and he takes the handcuffs off. And Kimball says, I thought you said you didn't care. He's like, I don't. Don't tell anybody. So they're like, they're two guys who come together and they bond over it. Josh, I love that you're watching these movies. I love that you compare them to more contemporary movies. And on we go. Yeah. As you go now, uh, this is Chiefs Week. We have to give you an assignment. So we usually go drama and then light. And we changed it up. We put four movies to the public, to Bill's Mafia, Josh. Okay. And they got to vote on which one they wanted you to see. Bring up the poll. It's really tight. So we gave them The Princess Bride, Roadhouse, Varsity Blues, and White Men Can't Jump. Now, it'll be immediately disqualified if you've seen it. But the winner with 31%, Josh, is The Princess Bride. Have you seen it? I have not seen it. I'll download it and watch it this week. All right. This is 1987. Rob Reiner, Carrie Elwes, an almost perfect movie. I cannot wait to hear your thoughts. The Princess Bride. Is it more drama? Is it more comedy? Like, It's so glad you say that. It is a movie that is almost impossible to put in a genre. It is fantasy, action, comedy, and then kind of romance, too. The lead in it, Robin Wright's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. There's sword fighting. You are going to love it. 1987's The Princess Bride. Dude, Andre the Giant is in it, and he, like, steals the whole movie. Okay. You're going to be way into it, I promise. Are you ready? I'm ready. Love it. That's our guy. Josh, have a great week. We will talk to you next week. Go Bills, man. Go Bills. Love it. See you, Cal. See you later. Take care. I say it every week. That's our guy. He's watching Princess Bride, maybe after a win over the Chiefs. How about Josh? The Arrowhead's the loudest stadium I've played in. It also can be the quietest. Shh. It's a great game. That's an afternoon window game. Bills, Chiefs. We will have him back next week to talk about it. But in the meantime, we got to get out of here. We got to go. We got to go. We got things to do. It's Tuesday. So we end each and every show here in Kyle Brand's basement by me throwing a dart, which I have several, and I chuck them throughout the show. But this one's the meaningful one because whatever number it hits, the producers have a bunch of corresponding topics to that number, and I just have to ad-lib something while I ride the Peloton. Uh, super producer Michael Flynn with his transitions glasses says he wants me to hit a one and I noted a ton of skepticism he doesn't think I can hit a one so let's go to the sky cam as you know I'm a very very talented dartist and I will try right now to hit the one the number of the topic is oh that's in the that's that actually hit the wall that was an air ball that's an awful throw all right here we go let me get I went for the upper right corner the one here we go oh did I do it no it's the 20 Dang, it's right by the one. What's the 20? Next time, Flynn, give me the 20. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. We're doing a lot of Halloween costume talk in my house right now. Calvin, my eight-year-old, is going to be a ninja because, I don't know, at some point in every boy's childhood, they want to be a ninja. Um, Evelyn's going to be, what's her name? Rapunzel. 
She's the princess girl. I don't know what I'm going to be yet, but I'll tell you what I want. It's perfect for this time of year. I was, uh, I was living in LA in 2003, and I was really, really into the Cubs. Just the Cubs were great then. That was Kerry Wood, Mark Pryor. Just a great roster. And I was, I used to be on Days of Our Lives, and I remember I was working, quote unquote. I was on set, and the camera guys would have these giant, like 3,000 pound, six foot cameras that they'd wheel around. And in between takes, they would flip their little monitor over and they could pick up a TV signal. So I remember this cameraman, Lou, was watching game six of the NLCS between the Cubs and the Marlins. And that's how I had my Steve Bartman experience as a native Chicagoan. I'm doing these scenes trying to tell Belle how much I love her and that I think that, you know, she's been cheating on me with Sean or whatever the hell I was saying. And then they'd say, cut, and I'd say, what's the score? And so Lou had just was updating me about how the Cubs were just uh, asphyxiating and some fan got in the way of the ball and Moises Alou was yelling at him and I was just like, what, what, what? And then it was just a nightmare after that. So naturally, a few weeks later on Halloween, you bet your ass I was Steve Bartman and I had it all. I had the green turtleneck, the foam covered headphones, um, you know, connected to an actual Walkman with a radio, AM, FM radio. Um, I had the Cubs hat, I had the glasses, and I think I was, yeah, I was dating a girl at the time who was Moises Alou. Worked out well. Fun costume. Everyone, like, and I just was walking around with a ball and a glove, and I just tried to drop it every, not a glove, tried to just drop the ball for everyone. Everyone was like, oh my god, that nerdy Cubs fan. It was great. I absolutely crushed it. I've had some terrible ones, but it was Bartman. Wherever he may be, right now living in a subterranean bunker somewhere in the north suburbs with an artificial sunlight machine and pallets of water and... If he ever peeks his head out, he'll have a blowgun blow dart go right into his carotid artery. I feel terrible for that, man. It was a bad night for Chicago sports fans. But a great night for me in L.A. and Halloween. Guys, it was a great day for me here in the basement. Thank you. Love you. We'll be back tomorrow. i got a lot to talk about tomorrow. In the meantime, enjoy Josh Allen. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks.